Empire of the Sun. Suns. Empire of the Suns. Wet like on book. Wet like on book. Wet like on book. Arizona Sports presents the Empire of the Suns podcast. Empire of the Suns. Hello there and welcome to the Empire of the Suns podcast. My name is Kellen Olson, joined as always by Kevin Zerman. I'm coming to you from a hotel room in Los Angeles on Friday morning. Kevin's back in Phoenix at the station. Hello, Kevin. How's it going? How was L.A.? It's pretty sweet, man. Uh, You can see the appeal and why a bunch of people live here based on the weather outside right now. Uh, Just nice to be able to go outside any part of the day and knowing exactly what you're getting yourself into. As someone who's only been here, I think it's like my only my second time being to L.A. Um, yeah, not not really used to it or, or uh, been around it that much, but it's pretty sweet. Not 100 outside or 110. It started raining as I as as I left, which was rather unfortunate because you like to see the rain every once in four months or whatever we're on track for right now. Nothing's going wrong, Kevin. Everything's fine. Uh, Except for the suns. Yeah. Yeah, let's talk about that. I guess that's the best way to start the conversation, Kevin. 106-92, the Clippers win. I was, like, loosely following the conversation around this game, and then I haven't really heard what people have been saying. Like, today, I was completely fine and remain completely fine with just writing this game off and kind of moving on. I didn't see anything from the game that was that was like of extreme concern or anything like that uh that would lead me to believe like that they're starting to be in trouble or something like that in this series uh what'd you make of the game i mean you kind of hit the nail on the head with your story if your two best players shoot like that um you're not going to win and look i i said in game two the clippers did figure something out um pat dev and zubats just really have changed how the Suns can attack. Um, I don't think the Suns' energy was there. I don't think their shot selection was good at all, um, especially with Booker and Paul, which was interesting to kind of see them just take these tough shots for no reason. Um, so I think they'll see that in the tape, and we get Monty later today after we record this, but... I just think it is a right offable thing. Now I will say the Clippers, again, we, we talked about it after game two, the Clippers are a good team. They're playing really good defense right now. Um, I don't think they have the firepower to keep up with the Suns, but yeah, it's, that was just kind of everything going wrong and the Clippers kept doing what they did. And clearly game two's ending didn't really, you know, get in their heads as far as like, we can't, we just missed a golden opportunity and that kind of thing. It looked like they responded really well and the Suns just have to uh, take that punch and move on. Yeah, totally. And I think that both Paul and Booker just could never find a flow. Once there was every time that Chris Paul just hits one pull-up jumper, when the team is like out of flow, you assume like, okay, this is where it's going to start. Even like when there was, I think like four, three, four minutes left in the game felt over 
he hit one and I was like, oh, okay, here we go. He's about to like lead the comeback. I was yeah. still thinking it then. And it just speaks to how consistent they've been. I wrote in the story, just the oddity of um, how rare it is for these two guys to have off nights like this. There was only one game in the regular season that was like comparable to this. And the Suns won by 20 because their bench played super well. Uh, but they weren't hitting threes tonight uh, either. Or last night they were 10 of 32, 31.3%. Um, they did get some supporting cast uh, contributions. Campaign had, or Cam Johnson, sorry, had 12 points and he had another really strong game. He's been one of the Suns' best players in the series so far. DeAndre had 18, uh, 13 for Bridges, 9 for Crowder. But after that, the highest scorer was Torrey Craig with four points. Some of that, of course, has to do with the fact that Campaign left in the was it early first quarter or late first quarter? I was it, was late, it was either late first quarter or I it think it was late first late. quarter. Yeah, it had to yeah, have been because Book, Book and Paul both started the second quarter. So Payne exits with the injury, doesn't return, left ankle, and he's just a, a huge part of what they do in, in a couple of different ways. So that that's part of it too. Uh, I'm going to re-watch the game when we're done here, Kevin, and like see if there's anything more that really stood out to me. Something interesting that Monty said was that he actually thought they were forcing it inside a couple too many times and that they actually missed the open guy in the corner, which kind of speaks to how off uh, Booker and Paul were pretty much all night. Yeah, and I think it mattered. Like, I, I totally get chris paul's shot selection um he he had a couple in that first quarter where i think he was just like i need to get a few up literally to find a rhythm because i haven't really played basketball or done anything in the last 10 11 days um so i i kind of got him taking those early shots just to get a feel and like you said when it got a little close for a blip there in the second half um I think that was around when he hit a couple shots and it looked like, okay, he's starting to like click it into gear. Um, and then obviously it didn't happen, but I, I think that's fun. But what was really crazy was we're going from sun survive without Chris Paul to a game where we realize that campaign is that important to this team. Um, I said it before, I think that if Chris was not on and, and he obviously we said he's he wasn't, then you could just throw a campaign in and they would just re-get into gear, upshift, get going again. I don't know what metaphor I'm trying to make, but he's a huge part of what they do. And the Suns just didn't have that extra gear where you could just have that energy and that punch to kind of um, change it up on the Clippers. And that... I think, again, as a third ball handler and maybe only four ball handlers, if we include Etwan in this, that was missed. And that's just a crazy part of it. Last night is we realized how important campaign is in a time where Chris Paul's back and he gets hurt as the backup. Yeah, and, and something else that stood out to me looking at the box score is that we saw – some really even like shot distribution for the Suns during that nine game winning streak. And in this one, Booker takes 21, Paul takes 19, 21's about where Devin's been, but 19 is high for Paul. Uh, and then 13 for Aiden, eight for uh, Bridges, seven for Crowder. So for those three, it wasn't necessarily that off, but uh, Paul's increase kind of spoke to how 
he was trying to get himself going and he felt like it was his spot, which it was to try and get the team back in it and kind of shoot his himself out of his funk and also like get the team back into the game. Uh, what you make of Zubac's impact? He had 15 points, 16 rebounds, an assist to steal two blocks. He was the plus-minus king of the night, plus 28. Aiton was minus 25. That was the lowest in the game. Uh, I just thought that Zubac was the better interior presence. And when you look at Zubac like coming out, I think that the biggest difference in kind of what you were talking about with the adjustments that Lou found was that Zubac is still able to kind of play his coverage defensively where he's not leaving the glass susceptible and open where Aiton has to play it in a way where other people have to rebound for, for him essentially. Um, I'm not, I'm just saying that's schematic based. It's not based on like either of those two players performances, but I think like that's been one of the biggest things for me. And I've really noticed um, I'm eager to see it when I watch back, I couldn't catch it live. But if just Jackson and Beverly and all them were able to get around screens as easily as they were in the first two games, um, because that was something I really noticed. And uh, to that point, I just think that Zubac was was there a lot more. Nine of ten from the line as well. He took almost as many free throws as the Suns, who only had 13 total. Um, That's just – I don't want to say – if there was something to look at from the Suns' perspective and be frustrated about, I would say that it's Zubac's ability to do that. Yeah, I think it was Ty Lue post-game who said, like, Patrick Beverly's ability, even if you get a screen on him, he can chase around it behind Book um, in the mid-range. And he's so good at just putting pressure on. I think he had that one really hard foul where he tried to go for the block and just ran into Booker and was fine with it. Um, But he's just a presence, even if you get the screen on him and Booker puts him in jail as they say, um, he's going to stop the shot, and that really helps um, Zubats kind of sit back and drop. And really, he doesn't have to come up and meet Booker. He can just sit in the paint, sit on Aiton cutting and rolling and other guys cutting, um, and really just was in there. And, like, if you look at the shot plots, like, the Clippers had so many buckets at the rim compared to the Suns, like, inside the circle just because of that, I think. So that that's a really interesting way of how how do you get him out of there, I guess. Um, Dario obviously would be an easy answer, but um, he has to shoot well. So I, I think that's going to be an interesting thing is how do you pull Zubats out of there and get easier buckets? Yeah, and to something that I – wrote last night is that this kind of proved and maybe where the Clippers can look at this as a sign of optimism. I just thought like George and Jackson handling the offensive load to the levels they did in the first two games wasn't going to be sustainable for winning, but they they won tonight with that still. Uh, George had 27, Jackson had 23, and uh, the key was just getting another contribution elsewhere. Uh, it It was Zubach with 15 and then Mann with 12. And I think Mann had 10 of his 12 in in that third quarter. If you want to look at really where the game uh, got away from the Suns, that was a 34 to 21 edge for the Clippers. That was the most the Suns have been outscored in any quarter this year. Uh, and they just weren't able to really mount any sort of offense. Uh, the highest point total for them for a quarter in the game was 27 in the second quarter. Uh, they had 
three quarters where they scored 23 points or less, which is just dreadful and like really some of the worst offense that they've played um, in, in quite a bit. It, does anything stand out to you, Kevin, in terms of looking ahead to game four uh, that we haven't discussed? I think, I think book finding his rhythm against Beverly is like the one thing that a lot of people are focusing on. Yeah. I mean, I think just in general, finding good shots, getting back to what they usually do. Um, I, again, the Clippers played really great defense. Um, schematically, they've been challenging the Suns this whole time, but I, I think there are shots there that the Suns can hunt um, instead of force stuff. Like, I think it was Booker's first shot. It's just contested one, but he's so off balance. It was just kind of striking to me why he took that. And from there, it was kind of more of the same. And it, it really is just getting back to basics, um, moving the ball. I, I think if you go, you don't have to go five out to get DeAndre more touches um, to make Zubats move with him or to swing it and get shooters open because I think they can still get guys in rotation. So I just think they have to just go back and look at fundamental philosophy point five stuff. Yeah, and, and maybe the most uh, optimistic thing from this side from the Suns in terms of offensively is that if you look at threes, um, seven of those 10 came from Crowder, Bridges, and, and Johnson. Uh, Crowder had three. He had two early. Uh, Bridges had two, and Johnson had two. Booker was one of seven from there. Paul was two of seven from there. So they were, they were able to generate shots uh, f- for those three guys, but there just wasn't anyone else that, that was really able to step up. Like it wasn't one of those games where Torrey Craig had – eight points in 10 minutes or whatever, or Dario got a couple buckets. So when you're missing pain, that's a big deal. Do you think it's, um, do you think the adjustment for Monty if campaign can't go is, is just going full stagger with Paul and Booker and then playing Javon Carter or Etwan more? Yeah. I mean, I don't know why Etwan has just not looked great. Um, it, I'm sure it's a rhythm thing. It's not playing a whole lot. Javon would be interesting, but I I just don't know where ball handlers, like they need guys who can penetrate and make you pay and a, a team that's really good on the ball um, and small usually. Um, I, I think that they need to search for answers. And obviously, Etwan is struggling to, you know, he's not a guy who's going to blow by people either. So maybe Javon energy <laughs> is something they need. Indeed, indeed. All right, uh, we'll be back after game four at some point. Uh, pretty interesting game in the series now because all of a sudden we're talking about just a ginormous game five if the Clippers are able to uh, pull it out again. But I, I think to our earlier discussion and something that I said on Duggan Wolf that seemed to catch him off guard is that like I, I have zero concern level or worry level. And I think Book said the same thing. Like, the locker room spirit was great. They're fine. Um, I think they, of all teams, have, like, an ability not to flush games necessarily, but just get past one quickly. But if there was a game that they've played, Kevin, where it was, like, the most, like, flushable, this was the one. And I expect them to do that. And I honestly, like, expect them to win um, on Saturday. I didn't see Kawhi Leonard out there, Kevin. I I keep looking. Um to see if he's out there pregame or, or whatever, we'll see. 
but I think un- until he comes back, I don't really see, or if he comes back, I don't really think there's a way for the Clippers uh, to be in a spot to win this series. Uh, yeah, I mean, I might disagree with you there. Um, if we see, I mean, if they take the next game, then I think anything's open. Um, right. Because if they take next game, that's four full games where it feels like they could have won every one of them. And that means it's a close series. So I, I, I tend to think that the Suns will find their groove, but I am not going to go that far and say I feel like super confident the Suns are in a good spot because until I see them just make this past game a flushed game, then it remains to be seen, I guess. Yeah, one of us one of us is going to be right there and one of us is going to be wrong after game four, that's for sure. There's really no other way uh, for the game to go, I think, because I think we can like kind of agree if Devin and Chris both bounce back, like it's it's going to be really difficult for the Clippers to win in game four. And that's kind of what I expect. Um, but they're going to have to do it as like a team kind of with what you're saying. Like it just doesn't come down to them to like feeling better about it. They're going to need everyone to kind of be on the same page and, and they have been for most of the year. So, so we'll see. Uh, we'll be back then after game four. We'll talk to you guys then.